thankfully, you know, recording at this time means that there will be no fireworks. So true, because yesterday they did not stop. They just kept going and going and going. Yeah, they, like I appreciate a good a good fireworks event, but you know, sometimes they can just get in the way of 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 important things like trying to record record podcasts. Yeah, like I also like fireworks if I'm there. If I'm not there, then I'm like, why are you annoying me? Can you go away? <laughs> why can't they just be silent? Like, I like the lights. Why can't they just be silent? Right? I always thought that. I think, I'm pretty sure, in fact, they do engineer them to be loud anyway. Because I think you can actually make them silent. Because um, end of the day, is literally just um, gunpowder and some lights and stuff. So I think they, like, build them to be loud. But that's... A whole debate because every year there's fireworks. It's always like a whole thing. I like should fireworks be allowed? Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a wider topic that we can even get into. It's speaking about um, fireworks, fireworks night, and this idea that oh, we are what are we actually? That's the one thing I do find confused by. What what are we actually celebrating? Because the the event itself, yeah, say, the event itself was I've, like a, a, basically a, a massive terrorist event. But right, yeah. But we're celebrating because I thought we were celebrating the fact that he tried to burn Parliament down, but apparently we're celebrating that he failed. <laughs> but then why would we celebrate the failure of an explosion with expl- explosions? Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. I mean, I think it's one of those things where like it's been so long that it probably isn't what it once was. You know, kind of like how Christmas now is like a holiday have like partly sponsored by coca-cola as yeah. opposed to the christian <laughs> the christian event that he once was so i'm assuming something like that when i'm on the way it's also like typical british hypocrisy though <laughs> massively massively just taking taking what is a what is meant to be a symbolic gesture and just commercializing it and making it as as much of a party event as possible it's it's yeah there's something not necessarily worrying about it, but classic in that in that frame of mind. That which, mm-hmm. there's there's this, this twist of events, this twist of narratives. But you know, this isn't our our podcast where we discuss popular um, popular events throughout the year. That's safe for another day. That's safe for another um, streaming medium. In fact, we don't even do that one on streaming. We do that one just in the streets, screaming at passersby. <laughs> but this is on second thought. And this is a podcast where myself, Sam, and Sixto, we look at the most critically maligned and and films that, well, films, books, television, artworks, uh, interpretive dance, whatever it may be, and just see why was it that they were given such negative reviews? And on second thought, should we change our minds on them? But before we get into our topic of today, how has your past week been, Sixto? What have you been up to? It's been good. Um... What have I been up to? I've watched, well, I suppose it's the last couple of weeks now, but I've watched some pretty good things in cinema. I think cinema's finally back. Um, obviously, the one that everyone's talking about, Dune. Um, I did manage to catch that in IMAX. It wasn't the 143 ratio, which is the full IMAX. It was 1.9, which is fine. It's just annoying because I'm like, what's the point if you're not going to show the whole thing? But apparently the only place you could watch it in its full aspect ratio in the UK was in Manchester. 
because oh. even the BFI IMAX they have a 143 screen but they don't have laser projection so unless it was shot on film like a Christopher Nolan film they can't show it <laughs> which is kind of bizarre yeah. and then the science museum could have done it but they chose not to and then um so I watched it in Leicester Square which was still big and beautiful and amazing but obviously it wasn't one nine what I will say about Dune though um Reviews of the movie aside, uh, just because I did like it, by the way, but um, that parking there, because that's like a whole fucking like three hour discussion. Um, this might be the very first film that actually sold me on what IMAX is for. Not just the size of the screen, which is obviously incredible, but the resolution changes and the just the as the like the uh, like, yes, the aspect ratio, even though I didn't get to see the full thing, but like. The, there's something about it like i swear to god even the colors would change because obviously not the whole movie was shot was shot in imax but like whenever it would change and widen up i noticed like it was breathtaking it was overwhelming and i know that both infinity war and endgame were are i think still to this day still the only films entirely shot in imax but those films didn't feel the way that dune felt and i wonder if it's because of the amount of cgi that those movies had. Not that there isn't CGI in Dune, but CGI, the, the Dune just felt a lot more tactile, more real. And I don't know. I thought IMAX was a market employee. It is mostly a market employee, don't get me wrong, but it really, really, really shocked me. And I was like, I want to go see every fucking movie I can with this. Um, sadly, that's going to be Eternals, but I don't know if I'm going to go see that. <laughs> yeah, no, I see. I think. Um, that that sense of scale, I get get what you're saying there. In comparison to something like Infinity War and Endgame, which did have a sense of scale, but always from a position of of an observer. Whereas with Dune, like you you felt like you were on the ground for so much of that. You felt like you were within the action itself. That you were essentially a boots on the ground character. So that even with mm. the you know, it's not a spoiler to say that there's big sandworms in it because the marketing again plays into that. But you never see the full scale of what a sandworm looks like because they are too big but because of the way the film is shot you get that sense of scale and i didn't see it in imax unfortunately but i can only imagine that that sense of of awe and almost a little bit frightening and there, there was moments within it where i was like this is just a daunting expanse of desert that mm-hmm. really really i thought the film dug into really well um yeah I, yeah i, I did i did really 100%. like it uh, can't wait for part two. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I did actually really like it. It's not my favorite Villeneuve movie, though, I will say, but I did really like it. Then, yeah, I think, yeah. It oh, was, you're gone? It's just, it's just interesting. A film like Dune, which is essentially Star Wars, the first act of Star Wars, made by the same person who made, you know, the likes of Arrival. There is that, that weird disconnect where you're like, oh, will such an understated director be able to carry such a grand that is not so much philosophical in the same vein of something like Blade Runner but I think mm-hmm. he did it he did it really really well really well mm-hmm. he did it's the best superhero movie of the year <laughs> <laughs> um but then I also quickly really want to shout out a movie that personally me blew me away that's Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright uh I don't think people are loving it as much as I did which is fine because I do think it's essentially an adult Doctor Who episode but I loved it. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because I do think the less you know, the better. 
uh, but do see it in a big screen. It is beautiful in a different type of way from Dune. This one is all about the lights and the camera work and Edgar Wrightisms, and the entire cast was incredible. So yeah, shout out to Last Night in Soho. Thought it was great. Nice, nice. Yeah, again, I saw Last Night in Soho as well. I'm not as positive on it as you are, but I do think it had a a lot of in that adult Doctor Who episode really really rings true but interestingly speaking about IMAX in relation to Dune what I found with Last Night in Soho is that the the sound mix for Last Night in Soho was incredible like mm-hmm. the crispness and the quality I saw it I didn't even see it in a in a particularly good screen but I just thought the 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 soundscape carried so much of that film and it worked with the transitions you know I believed everything that I was seeing because of how well the sound would transition through these different mm-hmm. different modes of listening um which i really really appreciated so yeah the sound work yeah. was incredible out of this world um didn't yeah, get to it see it until the atmos which was sweet nice 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 well yeah i saw so yeah i saw dune last night in soho and i additionally saw a film called antlers which is one that i've been waiting to watch for absolutely ages which is I the that. yeah it's the Guillermo del Toro um produced um kind of something in the woods something with <laughs> small town mining town thing which I thought it was it was quite good there was bits of it where I was like oh you know this could be a lot better but it's the film I definitely recommend I won't give much give anything away on it really aside from the fact that it has my favorite line of anything ever which is there is a, a a scene of an apology where this young boy apologizes to to the bully and the bully turns around and goes i don't accept apologies from pussies and then proceeds oh, to wow. pu- push him which in my head i was like that that's is a, incredible that's that's that is screenwriting at its best because that resonated with me so much that that's from now on anytime anyone apologizes to me that's what i say <laughs> And I think I that's mean, yeah. yeah, good on him, good on the bully. Know your yeah, worth. That, that's that's a mantra to live by. <laughs> that you do not accept apologies from pussies, and <laughs> by your determination, everyone could be a pussy. So, so true. Yeah, I I did. It was it's a good film. It's a it's a fun I watch. Do, I do really want to watch it. It's just doing that really annoying thing, where, um, so I missed it. On the opening weekend, because I had other things in my life. And now it's only ever showing weekdays at like 2 p.m. So I can't go. Mm-hmm. Or like, not in London. <laughs> yeah, and I, I so get what you mean. So I don't, I think it's got a week left in cinemas. And I don't think I'm going to be able to catch it. Because it's just not being shown at any time. And then I always wonder, and I understand it's because it's a small film. That clearly not that many people are intent on watching. But it's looks like in a film for adults so why are you showing it at 2 p.m like i'd rather i'd rather they did what they did with like mother where they were just showing it at like 11 and midnight because that just makes more sense for me for that kind of movie and then i'd actually just suck it up one day and just go to the cinema at like midnight but now here i am not being able to see it at all because it's at 2 p.m like who's gonna who is gonna watch antlers at 2 (laughs) p.m yeah it was it was it was the same near me as well i i in order to watch it, I had to rush from work to catch the the four o'clock showing. So it was, Jeez. which made it didn't make any sense. The one near me is is either four o'clock or, uh, yeah, twenty past two. 
which is just really bizarre. And it's the same thing has happened with things like I've I've now because of this missed the French Dispatch, which I wasn't oh, massive I did on seeing. Did you? What do you think? Uh, um, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um, not my favorite of his. Very much a Wes Anderson movie. I think it goes. I thought the last, so I thought Grand Budapest Hotel was like the culmination of everything he done so far, and it was like his magnum opus. Then I Love Dogs for me, even though it was still distinctly Wes Anderson, I found it to be a new direction. I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. This is kind of like going back to Bottle Rocket, going back to Rushmore, going back to Life Aquatic, but without the charm of those original movies. That's what I thought. Mm. Oh. But nonetheless, um, still fun. I wouldn't cry that you missed it in cinema. I, th- I think you should watch it, but it's it's, it's just more Wes Anderson, really. Um, this time, he really takes the idea of no plot to the max. And um, it's funny sometimes. It's not as funny as... I don't know. I didn't love it too much. Yeah. But, it's, it's something where I'm not, I'm not massive on Wes Anderson. I, I find his films are wonderful to look at in screenshots, but... Mm-hmm. They they often feel completely emotionally devoid. Like I love Grand Budapest, but the rest of them I do really struggle to find that that sense to grab me in that isn't just of a of a technical appreciation. And yeah, I mean, I yeah, I did, I've enjoyed I, his work mm. a lot before. Um, I really did like Moonrise Kingdom. I liked the Royal Tenenbaums. I even liked the Darjeeling Limited, which I know a lot of people didn't like. It's just like. This is just three. The whole the plot. It's not a spoiler because there is no plot really. The the movie opens up with like the French Dispatch is a magazine, and you get like a really quirky introduction to what the magazine is. And then the whole movie is just three like stories that are in the magazine. So it's like a story within a story type of thing. So they're all isolated individual, and you get to watch, you know, an incredible cast. No one gets this amount of actors in one movie like Wes Anderson does but there's just just like for what you know what I mean yeah yeah no I can I, I get what you mean there but yeah it's, it's a film I will catch it eventually I will get to see it but you know we're not speaking about Wes Anderson today we have a yeah. a a wonderful topic of discussion today and that is we are looking at the 2010 should we say culmination of of cinema maybe maybe things never got better <clears throat> since then and that is the movie maybe. single word devil and if you have the the if you have the poster in front of you on your wall which i'm pretty sure you might do the poster is something i really do appreciate so it's it's the upside down cross but being done so through the the frame of a slightly ad- cracked open lift with the cross light coming through it it was it's, it's a good it's a good poster but nevertheless, we'll get into what the the story is. So Devil is a story about five strangers who get stuck in an elevator and things take a dark turn when a series of unnatural occurrences begin affecting them, sometimes all at once, sometimes one at a time. And all the while this is happening, a haunted detective must defy all odds to help them escape. So this was directed by John Eric Dowdle. And the film was meant to be the first, this is an interesting idea actually, the film was meant to be a first in The Night Chronicles, which was a series of contained thrillers, all stemming from the mind of our 
our own magnum opus of cinema, M. Night Shyamalan. And interestingly enough, the film grossed 62.6 million on a budget of 10. So it didn't do bad at all. It's Rotten Tomatoes is 49%. But being a part of this, the the Night Chronicles um, franchise, this is the first and only one. So we can get into reasons why it happened. And just to go off on a, a small tangent before we go to get your thoughts on it, this Night Chronicles idea was meant to be a series of con- um, contained thrillers. And the second one was going to be written by the person who wrote the film Buried. And the third one essentially got twisted into the film Split. So it's it's, it's confusing as to why this didn't carry on because the film did well enough to really accept this, but we will see what, what we think about it now. So what was your opinion on this film, Sixto? Um, so I watched Devil back in the, no, in cinemas, I was like 12, but I watched it actually not that much after. I think I watched it and I was like 13, 14 because I'm glad you mentioned it. I saw the poster. I think this was at, this was back when, um, I mean, I still do this, but more people did this. We would just go to a store and buy some DVDs. Um, and I saw the poster. I thought it looked really fucking cool. So I bought the, got my dad to buy me the DVD because it was only rated 12 as well, which I think helped because I don't think I would have been able to watch it if it was rated higher. At least in the Netherlands, it was 12. I think here it was the 15 or something. But um, I watched it then and I really, looked, I was like, whoa, I love this, blah, 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 blah. But I was also like 13 and my favorite movie of all time was Resident Evil Apocalypse. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> changes, um, changes in my taste have occurred. Um, then I, you know, didn't really think much about it, grew up, and now come back, probably well over 10 years later, and I think the movie's fine. (laughs) I, I had a, I had a good time, I wasn't like bored out of my mind, like some people were, um, in the reviews, and I, you know, I didn't hate it, it's a little stupid, but I think I've become so, like, unfazed by stupid um, recently with some of the films that I've been seeing. Um, even just M. Night Shyamalan already makes me go like, oh, this is one of the less stupid ones. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good time. But I, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and, like, rave about it. But I feel like you might. I don't know. What did you think? Well... Similar to you, this is a film I saw when I was a lot younger and I did equally in the same vein. I thought that that um, the film, I can't remember what it's called now, Vantage Point, was the smartest film that had ever existed because it told the story through four different perspectives. And I was like, this is just incredible. I don't know, cinema can never get better than this. And I <laughs> similarly thought the same with, with Devil because it was such an interesting idea. But I feel like in speaking about this film and in, in wanting to do this sort of podcast... The idea of the film that I had in my head is different from the film that I ended up watching, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was just my own head canon of it made it made this into a much better film than it was. But I think equally similar to you, this was a completely fine and inoffensive experience watching this time. You know, I wasn't ever bored, and I I found a lot of things within it that I was like, oh, there I can see what's going here, and I can see where things are going here, and I feel like. There is an establishment of a a tighter thriller within this, but overall, I think that is my my main takeaway with it is that it's not that I feel that the film was terrible in any way, 
But equally, I feel like the film could have been so much more than it was. And I think a lot of that comes from the the main conceit of the film, which we'll get into uh, in a little bit. But I feel like if you had a different title and didn't need to stem into this, you know, the Night Chronicles and Night Shyamalan's films oftentimes deal with this this religious aspect of of what does it mean to be religious in in a modern society and things like that and what does it mean to have faith and i feel like if you removed that heavy aspect from the film there is a better film within there there is a more contained film within this but Mm -hmm. overall i do there's one thing i want to really draw attention to which is that i feel the opening of this film as in the opening five minutes really does set the stage for what is going to be a a quite unnerving and also not un, 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 unexpected, but one that really draws you in. Again, a different film from the rest of it, but I just love this opening shot, which is just of the, the ocean, just of the, the sea, and, and you just get... In fact, it's not even the sea, it's a river. And you just... Mm-hmm. But it's, it's framed, it's flipped um, 180, so it's on top of us, and... It's this real drone in score that goes along with it that sets up this unnerving feeling. This, this obviously, there's the oh well, this means the whole world's twisted in this, and we can't expect everything. But I think outside of that, it sets up a real stark nature of this film. That oh, rather than being this this clever oh the cow look at the mise scene of this and think about what this means, it just starts you off in a sense of oh I feel disorientated at this point. I feel out of touch with this world that is telling me and I like that that setup and then I like we have the the floor buffing with the guy who jumps out the window and hits into the van which again kind of reminded me of the happening but <laughs> at the same time I I did appreciate how it happened and I appreciated that it was unexpected and felt like it it did build onto this idea my thing is that I wish they kept within this building from that point. I, I don't like the idea that we then leave this building because I feel like if it's meant to be a contained thriller, keep it contained. But mm-hmm. what about you? How's your, your initial impression of the films going into it? Yeah, so I think you've um, really hit, I think, what my biggest issue with the film is, which is about the containment and the scale of the film. I think, just like you, the opening's incredible. I think it's such a striking... Simple but really striking image of the upside down, you know, reverend cityscape. And I think it's a very foreboding, you know, kind of like title sequence. And even the guy jumping off, like, it's like, shit, man, like, what is happening here? I think it's such a strong start for what's something that's, you know, gonna, that you assume is gonna be like really well written single location type thing. Because when a film is promised to be just the one location, you expect it's like, oh, they just had a really good idea. So they wrote it really well. And that's, you know, what when we got what we got. Um, but, you know, it's not what we got here. However, I do think, I just, I don't know. I really love the beginning. I think it's like really great. Uh, the problem that I have, which is kind of what you were saying about then we leave the building and stuff, is I think this film realistically is so small in scale that it honestly should have been like 60 minutes, probably less. And it should have really just start with an incredible opening and, you know, got in the elevator and stay there. 
I don't think I don't see why we have to go back out and like all this and it was and then it it became very quickly a very corny movie. <laughs> um which is a shame because I really do think that it starts with such an amazing like tone. Like it really sets the mood. Like you really 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 get the mood going and then but like bam like doesn't someone get like their coffee spilled or some shit am I I'm like, Yeah, it's Do you know what I mean? It's like it's oh great. Coffee spillage in an office building. Ooh, I think I've seen that in literally every office building movie ever. <laughs> well, in this one, it's the work of the devil. So, so true. <laughs> but yeah, I do. Yeah, I get. I think that is the the biggest thing about that is that this film is is padded in a lot of ways. And so, when they get into the, we'll just jump into spoilers. Like, if you want to watch this film, just pause it now. Go watch it. You will literally be back here within an hour and 20 minutes because the film is that short. But this whole, mm-hmm. the whole purpose of this film is these five people in this elevator. One of them is the devil and things happen because each of them has their own, their own um, tragedies or their own, their own things which they need to repent for, which I get as an idea. But I don't know if you felt this as well, but the elevator itself didn't end up feeling like the main star of the film, which just felt like it should have been. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that the elevator is really small, like mm-hmm. really, really small, so much so that it wasn't that I felt after a certain point, they limited themselves in terms of the camera movements and equally they limited themselves in terms of the the staging because pe- once the bodies start to, or well, the body times two start to pile up, you can only really position people within a few aspects, which... Again, in the film version that you spoke about, that's 60 minutes long, fine, because it's really tight, it's really contained. But in this version, you kind of want distance between them. You kind of want there to be a space so they can actually grow. But mm-hmm. I think no, that is my, my main thing. I agree so much about the elevator film. It also just shows a little bit um, to the lack of creativity in the sense that I really like the idea of doing a movie in, an, in a stuck elevator because I think that's a fear that everybody kind of has in the back of their minds when they're in an elevator. It's like, oh my God, what if I get stuck? And as someone that has been stuck in an elevator, I'm not claustrophobic, so like I was fine, but it's annoying. And you're like, bro, it's it's more like, when am I going to get out? Like, am I going to have to pee here? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, so that I like that it tapped into that. I think it would have been really great. I just feel like the elevator, this sounds so crazy, but the elevator they chose was so boring. Like... Why it's such a big, tall building, right? Why didn't you make it one of those lifts that are a little bit bigger? Maybe has like a glass back, you know, the ones that like overlook the rest of the building and it's glass. Because then I feel like you really could have at least been a lot more visual and done some pretty scary horror things with the glass. It's like, and it's not like that's an uncommon, unique lift. Like, go to any modern building; they all have these things. Go to fucking Heathrow; they're all they they're all glass. So it's like. Why not? Do you know what I mean? It's like just you should have thought about the design of the lift. And maybe the point was to do a very mundane lift. But then why are you doing it in such an extravagant like skyscraper? You should have just done it in like the block from down the street, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It just it the, the lift really limited them, um, which is the point obviously but i just feel like you could have been a lot more creative with the actual lift itself because you're right the lift takes a back seat and considering that it's the poster and like the most interesting part of it is like oh my god a whole movie in a lift and then you're kind of like forget about it and you're like oh 
I don't know. Um, I think it just very quickly starts to show, I guess in typical Shyamalan fashion, that um, maybe things weren't redrafted <laughs> when they probably should have been. Yeah, that it is. It's, we go into this with the great idea of, okay, this is a horror film set in a lift, perfect, and that's what they thought going into the set. That's what they thought on the first day of shooting, and then they were like, oh, but what, uh, what's actually happening in this lift? And they didn't consider the other things. But outside of that, there's, there is one thing that which I really like, which I kind of wish was kept into more, and that is I don't like the police characters, but I really like the the workers, the security, not security workers, but the, the, like the maintenance workers. Mm-hmm. And I like their little back and forth, and I like when they're trying to solve what's happening with this lift. And at a certain point, I was a bit confused because the one, the actual maintenance worker who's kind of running around the building basically disappears for a good 25 minutes only to come back and die. And I liked their little back and forth. I liked this conflict that was showing up between them where one of them was religious and thought they saw a face and the other one was just like, no, that's just being silly now. And I wish that they'd kept in this idea, you know, if if we're going for a supernatural movie, then why not have it that they can't call the police? Because mm-hmm. the phone lines are dead, and then they go to leave a building, and the, the, the door's locked. So what's happening here? Like, make it contained within this. Don't make it contained so that we can, so that things can be escaped in a way. Because they do try to do that. They do try to show that with the technology failing. But mm-hmm. I do, I do like these characters. These almost overlookers. I like that they can't speak back to them there. So they're the ones only speaking to them, and the film does really dig into this before it goes into the supernatural side of things it does really dig into this um the innate sense of frustration people have with each other especially within these confined spaces and i i like all the characters in the lift up until they start to up until the woman gets scratched because i feel like they feel a bit more believable up until that moment because they are just you know they still they're caricatures in a way but at the same time, they are they are heightened versions of people that I've been in lifts with that you equally are like, I do not want to be stopped in this lift with this person. They are so annoying. It would have made it a bit better if one of them was on the phone speaking really obnoxiously as they got into the lift. But as a character study before the supernatural thing starts, I think there's a lot to be praised on that front. The dialogue is stronger and the acting on a whole feels more natural. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's because it's got that thing where a film like wreck might have where when you trap people in a building um obviously the horrors are entertaining and very fun and you have like whatever supernatural threat going on but i think what makes a film like wreck stand out so much is that you really get to see it as a sort of social study into how these different groups of people interact with each other and how confinement makes them turn on each other and, and, and all the all the different um social like dynamics really come out you know in wreck we've got racism we've got classism we've got all these things are really surface within this one apartment building so that's an example of something that's really interesting taking something supernatural but also adding in a lot of real life things in it and devil kind of starts doing that a little bit but the problem is it never 
it, it never stays there long enough to actually make a point about it or to actually say anything interesting or show us something interesting because we always have to cut back to the stupid police character or you're right or something about the devil and like whenever the actual plot of the movie is on display the dialogue is so frustratingly cringy and bad that it really pulls me out and yet when we're going towards those character moments within the lift and the, those sort of office workers and stuff it becomes engaging and more interesting it's just kind of like i wish i wish they had had the like confidence to have centered the film around that as opposed to it being like a flashy hollywood horror thing because isn't this like around the time of like paranormal activity and all that yeah it literally is so there's like a lot of that into this in the sense of like paranormal activity also had a really amazing character moment between a couple and then um you know have to and completely pulls back to like move on to its silly plot and the sequels of paranormal activity who don't even get me started on those because they totally i think the sequels of those movies like totally forgot what paranormal activity was like good and interesting um so you know it's just like i don't know if it's just because that's what films were being made in the 2010s i don't know if that's like what had to be injected but like it just it's frustrating because i actually really do see a very strong strong idea here and concept and almost the beginnings of a really good execution and then they just keep saying never mind i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna go do this little thing instead yeah, and I think nothing says that better than when we get to the the big reveal, the big twist of the film, oh God, of which is which is that our our Tom Hardy type, who is, you know, it's Logan Marshall Green from the likes of Upgrade, who is really really good, but in this film has never looked more like Tom Hardy I in Venom. Kid, you not? Um, I spent a very long time thinking that literally was Tom Hardy because I remember when The Dark Knight Rises came out I was like oh my god it's the guy from Devil <laughs> but it's not also Logan Marshall Green not very good in this movie but I've seen him recently like um, he's actually a very good actor I don't know what was going on here I assume it's just the fact that the script and the lines and stuff because like if you look at like he can do subdued like look at the invitation he's excellent in that so it's kind of a yeah. shame to see him Essentially, here he is a discounted Tom Hardy. It's kind of like they have an insult to him. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. And it, yeah, he's a much better actor than than any of the material he's given here. But when we get to that reveal, that oh, he is the one that um, hit into the detective's wife and son and killed them. And I do like this. Like, I, it's the annoying thing as well, where I see bits where I'm like, oh, that's quite interesting, this idea that, oh, all he left was the coupon. It's stupid that the detective still has that, but that is a interesting character trait, that all he had was a car wash coupon and to give it to the detective. That's an interesting idea, but you can't meld that quite, quite you know, deep concept within this utterly ridiculous film so that when we get to the ending and he repents and so the devil needs to leave in my head i was like but how much more interesting would this be if this was if this just went full saw and the detective was the one who had set this up from the beginning because he was sure it was one of these five people and so he'd established it this way so that this happened that's why i was like okay well there's a stupid film but a stupid film that knows it's stupid mm -hmm. and 
could then play into this. You know, it's the it's the the what's that film called? The Circle, or it's you know, it's something that brings in a bit more character into the main the main idea of the film, but also just plays into the idea that this is ridiculous because I think this film to its very end thinks that it's a serious film yeah, and really, really tries to be serious. It really does think it, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's, and that comes across in the performance, you know, Chris Messina who plays the lead detective is excellent and is fabulous as Zaz in Birds of Prey. But in this is, is such just haunted detective. And even the moment where I was like, where I was just like, oh, I really don't want to see any more of this detective, is when he's when they're all down in the lobby and he's there screaming for this lawyer. And every single person that they speak to in that office building is the worst person in the world. They're like, <laughs> well, I can't do that. I can't help you with this. I can't do this. And it's like, yeah, but they're literally trapped in the lift. You can make an, an exception for this or you can just not be a dick and just be, you know kind genial person and be like oh sorry i can't actually do this but no every single person in this film that isn't the righteous um repented police officer or the religious security guard guy who both survive is an absolute dick i know no it's it's also just like a bit of a um, that thing where they obviously need to build some sort of friction so that character can't just get what he needs immediately but it's like, could you not come up with another way than just making everybody say no? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's it's all like, anyone does. Is that really the... I mean, to be fair, I guess accurate to, I think, how most places are. Um, but I don't know, man. It's just so boring to watch. It's like, I don't want to watch somebody just get told no over and over and over and over and over again. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's just kind of... And it just keeps going because that to me is going back to the whole thing of like, that's just padding. Like, why isn't it just about the elevator? And you're absolutely right. We're like the twist. Is there even a twist? Like, it's almost a shame that the film does decide that to reveal the devil and who it is. And I'm like, this should have been like the entire time, like a really interesting mystery about like whether or not this is the devil it would have been so much more interesting and like poignant. But um, no, instead we get some... Honestly, fairly goofy, um, levitating scenes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. And it's like, come on. And, and it all just comes, I think. I really think it's because they really needed a feature-length, like, worldwide-released runtime. And this story just did not have that. Like, it just didn't have it. Yeah. And the issue with that as well is that they they do set up things where you could naturally expand the runtime like they set up this idea that um the the old woman devil is pickpocketing and taking people's purses and then they show you a shot where he sees that her open bag has a bunch of purses in it but they never they never address that they never do anything with it so where they could have used that to expand upon this and be like oh well you know the that calls into question of what who did this and then they could have found that oh it was her license plate in there so maybe she had a reason to do this maybe she did this intentionally and equally just thinking of this now at one point they actually say oh show up your license plates to the show up your not your license plate but your your driver's license to the camera and but the old woman has the young woman's purse in her bag so 
why isn't that brought up when she's like, oh, I can't find my purse. Oh my God, and that's so true. <laughs> you know, there, there is, there's things within there which could, which could have pushed this runtime just a bit further, but they're so, they were so, thought, oh, we really need to get to the, the best part of this film, which is the fact that, oh, there's a devil in the lift. And so everything else is, takes a back seat to that. Everyone else takes a back seat to that. And then once they get to that, they need to get to the reveal as quickly as possible because they are almost afraid of of ambiguity at this point. And because of that as well, we then lose the emotional resonancy that could come from the fact that um, Logan Logan Marshall Green's character, his fiance, gets into the building. And I was like, okay, well, maybe something's going to come about from this bit here. But no, that doesn't happen here at all. 100%. <laughs> like do you know what i mean it's like there's nothing even the more you know what the more we talk about it the more i don't like the movie which is kind of the fun part of doing this podcast where i was like yeah it's fine and now i'm like actually was it yeah no i'm I'm, my my disdain is growing as i think more about it and i think that's a that is a, a big issue do you know what I mean? It's it's just it's a it's that thing where it's like you seize this potential for what could have been a really interesting and original movie and instead we just get the most washed out, like unthought out thing. I mean it's not the most that it's not the worst movie I've seen. I still stand by that. I actually think the cinematography did pretty decent. Um obviously the opening's incredible, but they do manage to work decently well within the lift yes it's repetition because there's only so many ways you can shot the camera in there but you know it's still interesting i just i don't know what else to say about it other than like there's you know like why was this not just a short or like why wasn't it like an episode of something <laughs> like if he was going to do yeah. the night the night chronicles or whatever chronicles. Or like that should have just been like a tv show but, that would have been good as a TV show. Right? I think, and this is something that one of the reviews says, so actually it might be a good segue into it, but it's the context of how we see this movie that kind of changes it. Um, do you have something you yeah, want to well, say well, or should I go into this review? Because it's actually quite interesting. Um, my last point to make, just in case the reviews don't touch on this, is that uh-huh. the cinematography I really liked and there was some moments of really, really striking shots of the building and I thought, oh, these are really like again we just spoke about this idea of scale and I thought I thought at certain moments within this the film caught this sense of scale in how it shows the building stuff but the issue is that they then ruin that with these really really poorly done sky VFX of it being raining but then oh my god I know like that doesn't play into anything that's just that's just to make it seem like oh the devil's here so it's raining which is like yeah let's, let's just go into the reviews Right, so the first review, which is one that I was mentioning, is actually so short. It was literally only a sentence, but it's the one that I found. And I think it gives um, enough discussion. So this was uh, James Luxford for The National. He simply said, Although it doubtless will find more success in the DVD market, on the big screen, Devil makes for bland viewing. Point, period, blank, move on. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I get that. I do really see that. I think if I saw this film in the cinema, there would be a... You'd, I think you'd be more bored if you watched this film in the cinema because it's 
it's a film that doesn't require your attention. It's a film that doesn't call for your attention, and it's a film that doesn't really arrest you with its with anything within it. So you can look away. You can. I went. In, I went and made a cup of tea while I was watching this, and I don't even remember if I paused it or not because by the time I came back, they were still in the lift. So <laughs> shocker. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I I can. I really do agree with that. And I like. I like a good short review as well. I think that's that says more than any words can actually say for a for a film. <laughs> I know, but I just thought it was really interesting as well. I think not so much now, like back then, but I think now with the extreme rise of the streaming service and the lowering quality of the content in these services i think i think let's look at netflix specifically when they launched it was like hot exclusive content only on netflix and it was like really high quality shit that everybody would like raved about and it was incredible and over the years that the quality became quantity and you know we still have some heavy hitters every now and then uh, particularly in the tv section netflix is still decently strong most of the time still you know but um, their movies have been absolutely terrible for the few years now. And this is expectation when I put on like a Netflix horror movie that's like got the Netflix logo on it and branding where I'm just like something in my brain clicks. And as it's usually a pretty mediocre, like mediocre movie. And I end up enjoying it like quite a bit. Um, yeah. And yet. If I see that same movie in the cinema, there's this expectation of quality there, I think, because I'm paying the sort of like £10, £15, whatever ticket. And when that doesn't get met, then I become upset about it. Whereas when it's on Netflix, then I don't really care. So a movie like Devil, I guarantee I would have watched Netflix, probably not thought about it again, but it would have been like, that was a fun time. I'm very happy. Had I gone out and paid and watched it in the cinema, I probably would have walked out being like, what the fuck was that? That was terrible. And I think there's this sort of space that I think this movie was probably five years too soon. I would have genuinely fared a lot better as a Netflix original, as an Amazon Prime original or something like that. Because people just generally, we just seem to be a lot more lenient towards those movies. And I think it's because we kind of see them already as like second rate. Which is a shame, you know, I don't want to like, just, you know, I don't want to like diss anybody that makes movies for Netflix or nothing like that. Because, you know, they do make heavy, they, they, they do have great movies occasionally but i think the vast majority of that netflix original prime original whatever are so so painstakingly mediocre and i feel like this fits right in there and i probably would have liked it a lot more yeah especially amazon prime do this this um series of things called welcome to blumhouse where they have these basically three films um not like a fear street connected sense but just Three films that come out in the three weeks leading up to Halloween that are, they're never great, but they are fun little horror films to watch in the lead up to Halloween. So this year it was a film called The Manor, which was an interesting enough one about this woman being put in a a um, old people's home where she's convinced that it's haunted. And it was, I, I like that the most because it had this, it had a cast of mainly elderly people, which I thought, oh, I, I really like seeing I'm saying I really like seeing elderly people in horror films because that makes me sound like a psychopath, but I do. I think it's a, you don't see it enough. And then they did another one called, I don't remember the other one was called, but one of them was about, um, about a vampire killers, but it was, it was 
friend around with a group of of um black teens i think i can't i, I can't remember that one as much <laughs> and another one was called was called bingo hell which was again similarly looked at old people and and they are they are very much in the same vein of devil would be a film that you would see in a welcome to blumhouse lead up to halloween so and i would watch it there and i'd be like brilliant i'm going to forget about that by tomorrow but you know for the for the hour and a half that it was on it's it's satiated my need to to not have to think which is nice 100% um it's just yeah just very that i thought it was really interesting cuz like i don't know it's a good way to think of the movie <laughs> well it it draws up an interesting debate about should we be expecting more from from streaming films that we ha- that we can even think about it like this like should because you know tv movies there is this stigma against which i i understand that in the sense that they are they are oftentimes lower budget and people they aren't they aren't monetized really outside of adverts mm-hmm. but should should we expect more from sh- from streaming movies you know we yes we do get our few and far betweens our um the 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 if I say taxi driver, not taxi driver, the Martin Scorsese one, which the name escapes me now completely. Oh, um, um, the fuck? No, 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 no. The cabman. What was it called? Because Chris has remember. done a couple now. I don't know. We have yeah. a bunch of Oscar baiting movies. To be fair, we had Matter Story. We also have Roma and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, but uh, should should we expect more outside of? Outside of that, should we expect more that, oh, these, these films are not just put onto streaming and dumped on there and left there? Should we expect that, oh, actually there's there's thought and consideration put into them? Or, you know, is that is that a problem with us or is that a problem with streaming services themselves? Because, you know, they peddle out 18 seasons of Riverdale and people watch <laughs> them every single day. And so they're just going to keep making more of them. Yeah, I so mean... Who, whose fault is it? I think it's um, both sides. I, I I think it's probably a good idea to expect more from these movies. But then it's also that problem with streaming where because you're only paying like, well, it used to be like five pounds. Now it's like, well, like nine or whatever. But you're paying a small fee that's small enough that even though I would argue most of the content now coming is still pretty garbage because you still watch that one good thing a month or whatever. You don't cancel it. And so what's happening is like you keep it going and you keep it going, whatever, and then you just watch whatever. And because Netflix, all it's doing is checking how much content gets watched and how much of that gets turned into new subscriptions, that you're that they're probably like happy... I mean, clearly, because they're doing it for years and it's working. Like, it's obviously better for them to just pump out as much content as possible as opposed to curating it. But I just kind of wish there was like this alternative where it was kind of like more curated. By curated, I don't mean like, you know, like I said, in a snobby way, but it's just. There's. Ooh. Who's ringing my doorbell? Hold on one second. Let me pause. As I was saying, I'd be interested to see if there was a alternative service where you did have like just higher quality content i know quality is subjective but i'm thinking like 
in the video game space, for instance, you know, look at Nintendo. Like, when there's a Nintendo game, you expect a certain quality. And not all Nintendo games are great, don't get me wrong, they still have some duds, but there's this sort of image and quality thing to them that you're like, it's going to be, chances are it's going to be great to excellent, right? It's kind of rare for it to not be good. So I wonder if there's something similar like that. I think Apple's kind of trying for it a little bit, where they're doing really high budget, really crazy stuff on Apple TV. The only thing is I'm still not watching it. <laughs> but I think the only reason <laughs> yeah. I'm not watching it, I actually do have Apple TV Plus just because it was cheaper for me to get the um, bundle thing where you get Apple Music and Apple TV and iCloud and all this shit, like all in one package. So I do have it. I think it's just a habit thing where I normally check Netflix before I check Apple TV. It's literally only because Netflix was there and because my TV remote has a Netflix button on it. Um... But it'd be interesting to see how Apple does it, because I think their strategy is to be quality over quantity as opposed to the other one. But I don't know. It's something for the market analytics to look at. I think fault-wise, definitely, I mean, we watch whatever the fuck, so clearly it's our fault because they're just making what we watch. But, you know, I don't know. I always feel like it's a good idea to just expect better. (laughs) Like, they're a major entity company. You don't owe them anything. Expect better. Yeah, no, completely, and and that's the issue I think that we that we stem into, and I think that's the issue that a film like Devil really is built upon is that these films are concept first films that you're like, oh, that sounds interesting, and you kind of wait the whole time for for being to to have that to have the reason why you were first interested to have that be justified, and so with with the 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 breath of Netflix films. A lot of them are content first ideas and we think, oh, I'm excited to see how this plays out. But we don't. There, there never is. There never is a, a conclusion to that. At least nine times out of ten there isn't. So, yeah, it is. I think blame can be on both sides. But I'm interested to to see, because I didn't know Apple TV was um, quality first. I know there is I've not watched movie. them all. So I, I just yeah. uh, so say I'm not saying Apple TV shows are better. I don't actually know. The only show that I've seen is The Morning Show, which I actually did like. But um, I think that's their strategy. They're pumping a lot less, but with much bigger names. I'm now seeing loads of ad- like very aggressive advertising for the new Tom Hanks movie that they're doing or show. I think it's a show now. But um, they just get really big names involved. And that's kind of like what they're going for. Um, but yeah, I don't actually yeah, know if no, it's good. Yeah. But hopefully, I don't know, hopefully there will be a shift at some point in the market that we don't need so much content and instead we care about is is content that actually, you know, drives investment outside of just, oh, I've still got my subscription, so I just can't be bothered to cancel it. Cool. With that said, let me move on to the next review. See, so much conversation from just one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this was Richard Probst. For the independent critic and now this guy is the he his first phrase is should a minister be watching this movie which i thought was really funny because i think he is a minister but ultimately it didn't actually reflect his um review he said the performances and only chris messina from vicky christina barcelona really could be considered a name here um, are uniformly weak, uh, with the only thrills and chills coming essentially from the occasionally inventive camera work of Tak Fujimoto, and a few reasonably paced surprises that nicely interrupt what amounts to far too much time. Like, sorry, 
then I also interrupt what amounts to far too much time lacking suspense or energy. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's unfortunately with, with, with time, this film has the opinion of this film is going down and down and down. But I do, I do appreciate that idea that there is, the, the performances they are they are weak really across the board no, there is no energy with anyone and they don't feel they don't feel like they're invested in what they're in what they have taken part in you know for for all of um the issues that you can have with Shyamalan's movies at least the actors feel invested in a way you know you look at the silliness of something like old but there is a sense of okay at least the actors seem to have an awareness of that this is also ridiculous and mm-hmm. There's that awkwardness that comes along with it, and this doesn't have that that Shyamalan awkwardness that makes things interesting to watch. But definitely, the camera work itself, you know, props to whoever can try and make this this set look at least a little bit interesting. And I was engaged with with that. So th- I think yeah, that 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 review does it credit where credit is due. I think is the the best thing about that review. I agree. Um, nothing much more to add. I think you kind of summed up my thoughts exactly. Um, Tak Fujimoto. Actually, the more I think about it, I actually am really impressed with the camera work. I think it's probably the it's probably the saving grace of the well, movie. <laughs> I'm sure that that Tak Fujimoto is is. But you can't think of what else. I worked on, but I think it's just got up here. Oh yeah, Science of the Lambs, Signs. There you go. Yeah, this is this is why this is why it it had some quality to it. A uh, very very talented person. Jeez, oh my gosh, I'm just looking at everything. Did Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh my God, born in 1939. Bro. Sixth Sense. A lot of movies. Anyways, we digress. Uh, review number three. <laughs> this is Blake Griffin for We Got Discovered. Devil may not be as hacky as perhaps Lady in the Water, but there's nothing here that is new, exciting, or is suspenseful. The physical limitations of the main characters could have been a tremendous asset of the script, and Nelson has proved he can do much with little like in hard candy but everything falls short and flat devil will be a distant and faded memory by the time you get to your car Sad. <laughs> yeah but again it again it's sticking into this same idea that it does the the potential is so much greater than the execution and that does come across in in the script there as they made mention of you know you can have a film that is single location that is still utterly engaging. Like, look at the likes of Locke, look at, even to a lesser extent, a film like Buried. Mm-hmm. And with those films, you're oftentimes you're just stuck with a single character and voices. And in this one, you actually have the added benefit of movement within it. So maybe if the film didn't... If the film wasn't trying to build off this conceit of, oh, a devil in the lift, and was actually maybe something more about the building itself, then... That would have that would have allowed for a bit more room, you know. The, the lift is just another part of the building itself, and then there's a, there's a allowance there that all oh, the containedness is the building, not just the lift. But the film pays so much emphasis on the lift that 
every time it cut away from me, I was like, well, I don't feel, I don't feel any of that tension anymore. I don't feel, I don't feel contained. I don't feel trapped like these characters do. And, you know, there's, there is the argument that this film, if it did stick everything within the lift and we were only hearing the information through what the characters were being told through the intercom, potentially that leads to a more interesting film there because we can see that build up to why they start to turn against each other rather than just, oh, now we've cut back to the lift and they don't like each other. Now we've cut back and these two have teamed up. Now we've cut back and everyone has a blade. And that there is a big issue with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. It's like, um, just talking also on the pack that he mentioned about what Nelson can do and, um, with something like hard candy. I'm not the biggest fan of hard candy. <laughs> um, mostly cause I find it a little bit difficult to watch and just, but I do think it's a good movie. It's got great performances, but, um, mm. You're right that Nelson managed to take a concept like Hard Candy and really shock and really go hard and, excuse me, and sort of almost flip it on its head. Obviously, you know, we've got the sort of the prey behind comes hunter type thing, but for in a really twisted way. There's not even a small hint of that here. I feel like Nelson and his vision is just like not... do, Do you know what I mean? I feel like the film almost has no identity there's like no you know i feel like anybody could have done this the only thing we have is the m night shamalisms of her because it's his idea but this doesn't really this could have i don't know it just it feels almost like it was trying to replicate Shyamalan. um more annoyingly not even like good Shyamalan was trying to replicate like happening Shyamalan. and it's just kind of like i almost wish there was a little bit more of like an assertive foot from behind the camera something that made it a bit more stand out as opposed to just being kind of just looks like a studio movie do you know what i mean like there's nothing really not look because i did think it looked decent but it just feels like it's like nothing that crazy which is kind of a shame yeah yeah no, I, it is it is that sense of it's almost like well if if it was going to be so much Shyamalan why not just have him direct it as well right I think it's like this was like Shyamalan's project where he was going to like launch the career of these like filmmakers and so we're going to have the the night chronicles are all based of my idea that I probably came up with like in a restaurant and like <laughs> here are are the movies I think it's kind of similar to what James Wan is doing you know with um, yeah but I mean, to be honest, it's not like James Wan's... <laughs> I adore James Wan and his work, but I don't think his venture in launching other careers has worked out too well yet. No, not at all. Um, and the, there's the issue as well, is that the, the director of this, John, John Eric Dowdo, hasn't done necessarily all bad films. Like, he did the remake of the American version of Wreck, which is, you know, shot for shot. But outside of that, he did the film, which is the Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is absolutely disturbingly horrible film but a very inventive one one and he did as above yeah he did as above so below as well which i i as above so below is a really well crafted i like that footage film yeah i actually was very shocked i thought as above so below was going to be so bad because it came out quite late in the found footage era but it's pretty great but that kind of goes back to what i mean by like whether it's in the script writing or the directing or anything, this film just lacks such an identity, right? Like, it just kind of, like... 
I feel like there's so much talent involved and I'm like, where is it? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, you, you, it's, it, it does. It feels like it feels like a work for hire film in all aspects, in the script and the the direction. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, all right. Well, then let's move on to the last review. This was Roger Moore for Movie Nation. M. Night Shyamalan indulges his messianic side with Devil, a quasi-religious supernatural thriller he has released under his The Night Chronicles production banner. It's a tidy tale about the devil picking up folks trapped in an elevator in a Philadelphia high-rise while cops and security guards look on in horror through closed-circuit TV. Devil is the sort of story Rod Serling would have taken for a spin in The Twilight Zone back in the day. Shyamalan came up with the idea, produced it, and got others to script and direct his 76-minute exercise in movie minimalism. And I think the key part from this is that you're so right. Wouldn't this have been such a fun an exciting episode of the twilight zone <laughs> yeah it would have the thing is it's again it wouldn't have been the best episode but it would have been a memorable one yeah because you would have remembered because it's that thing where it's like the concept and the image the image of like strangers locked in a lift and the devil is there like that's a very power like that's memorable you remember that that's kind of you know it's got the right iconography there and and, and, it, and it's good even if the content doesn't match up, it's like that alone, I think, is such a strong concept that it's like you probably should have just kept it short so that the concept could have carried you through. The problem with making it a whole feature film is that now your concept actually has to have like substance <laughs> and they didn't come up with that substance. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they forgot about, as you said before, they forgot about thinking further than just concept, concept, concept. And again... It's, it's it's hard because I don't feel like I feel like if this is your first time watching this film you might be like oh that's you know that's an interesting idea and it's done it's executed pretty well and, and you don't think much about it but given the given the time and space to think about it and maybe this is part of that calibre of films that shouldn't be thought about even though I think that is a you know think everything should really have, have thought put into it and be thought about afterwards but maybe this is one of those films where it's it's a a film to put on this is this is an intellectual film for 13 year olds and i think mm-hmm. that's that's the highest praise i agree that's that's kind of where we get i mean that's why i liked it when i was like 13 it's do you know what it's just funny because this show's called on second thought but it's a film that you don't want to give it a second thought <laughs> <laughs> which i think kind of brings me up to like this you know sam what's your second thought on this uh, so my second thought is that I wish I didn't give it a th- second thought and I wish I kept <laughs> with the, the version of the film in my head that was so much better than the one that I ended up watching I really really do and yeah yeah, that's all I can really say what about you? Um, I agree I think this was fine in a first viewing second thought kind of fucking ruined it so I don't think it, re- def- it definitely does not need your second viewing I don't think it hurts to watch it. I don't think you're going to cry. I don't think you're going to be upset or angry if you watch it. But I think, think of it this way. Can you watch it in whatever plan of streaming service you have now? Then sure, go watch it. Do you have to pay £1.29 to rent it? It's not worth it. And it's, you know what it is? The film would have sold it for me if at a certain point, because I kept on waiting for this, the lift numbers said 666. 
but they never did. And so, <laughs> so that I just found, I just, I just got extremely frustrated by that because the building was 333. So why at no point did, like the building itself could have been 666. Like they could have just, they just play into that. Yeah, just play into that. The, when you make the old woman the devil, you are not playing yourself as a, as a intentionally serious film. Mm-hmm. You do not, that, that's, you've lost it. You've lost it by that point. Oh my god, you're right. This should have this should have either camped it up or made it a genuinely claustrophobic thriller about who's murdering people in this fucking lift. But instead instead we got Devil 2010. Oh, this yeah. It was it was a watch. It was a watch. It's it's Is it the worst film we've watched so far on this podcast? Uh no, Jurassic World Holy Kingdom exists. Okay, well, this is the worst film for me that we've watched so far. <laughs> Kingdoms. Still, I will, I will be a, a. That film is is the Halloween kills of of the Jurassic World franchise. It's Absolutely, un, it's under, do not insult. Do not insult Halloween kills like that. I adored Halloween <laughs> kills. I fucking loved the shit out of it. Do not. So many people don't know. Yeah, and so I don't know why. Halloween I kills. was shocked at the amount of dislike for this movie. I don't get what is bad about it. I really, really, really don't understand. Especially coming from a lot of critics and stuff that I've seen that enjoyed the 2018. In fact, a lot of the comments were like, after a surprisingly good and promising 2018 adaptation, Halloween Kills fucking sucks. And I'm like, does it? Does it? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, even that I still don't understand really the criticisms towards. I do try and keep up with what they're trying, what they're saying. I do appreciate that they have opinions which are valid but i just think that their opinions are very much nitpicky in a lot of ways uh-huh. and they kind of come with expectations that aren't like they're they're attaching expectations to a, to the 10th movie in a franchise yes it's the the third canonically now but the 10th movie in a franchise like surely at this point they're just watching the film for what it is Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. I think Halloween Kills. Let's wait for the Blu-ray to come out because I'm not buying it day one because I actually really loved it. We should do that on the podcast because I think there's loads to talk about about Halloween Kills. Definitely, 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 we'll be doing that. All right. 100%. But Sam. you know, where can where can people find you, Six? Though, if they've if they've enjoyed our our wondrous words about Devil and. The, the you know the issues that we have with lifts in general. So you can find me waiting just outside the lift doors on the sixth floor. But <laughs> if there's sixty six floors, then that's where I'll be. But <laughs> if your skyscraper is so cool that you've got six hundred and sixty six floors, then that's where I'll be. But only outside the doors. I don't actually enter the lift because I'm a nuanced devil. And I don't show myself. <laughs> so I stay off the camera. But you know, click on the button and you'll find me there. Other than that, look up at six things I hate on your preferred media. Um, I hate 100 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> no way. Yeah, man. I've got my own URL. Oh, you can is. actually write youtube.com slash six things I hate now. It's kind of cool. Anyway. Oh my god, that's amazing. I know, thank you. I'm basically famous now. I got my first Twitter DM. Well, I've 
I've been messaged before by people that found my videos so thought it was sweet, but I got my first DM demanding content. He was like, why haven't you done this video yet? And I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, no. where, where can we find you, Sam? <laughs> well, you can, you know, find me on on Letterboxd under Corey Buchanan if you want to read my different reviews. But outside of that, you can... Just go to any really confined space and I'm there trying to think up new film ideas and equally trying to find maybe some form of, of, of either a devil or M. Night Shyamalan. You know, I'm not sure which one's going to be there and I am desperately trying to find them. So this this includes the trunk of cars, you know, the boot of cars. You can look in any really boot of car and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'll be there. This includes those small little random cubby holes that they often find in in um, in trains where sometimes people store their luggage. Oh this God. also includes the overhead compartments of planes themselves because imagine this film, but on a plane. And Stop. if you are on a plane while listening to this, <coughs> you know, listen out for that knocking and maybe that's me in the cubby hole above. Wow. Definitely need more plane movies, don't we? <laughs> we do need a lot more. I think we need to do a plane movie coming up. We need to find a... A plane movie that fits the bill. Oh, we do. We should do a skyscraper in the plane. And then do the lift oh in the skyscraper in the plane. So it's obviously a big plane, but science. It's like a yeah, it's like a futuristic. Yeah. That's like a future film. That's like a proper, proper future film. They haven't done that really in sci-fi yet. Yeah, a skyscraper in a plane. I have not seen it yet. And you still have to buckle up for takeoff and landing. I hope you're listening, Netflix. Because we got some some incredible ideas. We this is basically the next Dune <laughs> called Sky Dune. Oh my god! Exactly. Well, with that said, <laughs> we'll be back again next week. And thank you so much for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you for listening and shadows of everyone you know. And put this in every single lift you you can see around you. Yeah, put a little sticker, QR codes. I don't know if we have one, but make one for us. All right. See you next time. Bye. Right. Bye, everyone.